You've been sold the idea that financial independence is all about some number on your account statement. Or even worse, that you don't qualify because of where you started out. That's just not true. It's not about some well-kept secret of the wealthy. It's about finding the right information and knowing how to apply it. On the Get Ready for the Future show, we're answering your questions so you can start making real financial change today. The journey to true financial independence begins right here, and it starts with you. Welcome aboard. It is the Thanksgiving weekend edition of the Get Ready for the Future show. We are glad to have you with us today. My name is Scott Inman. John Shrewsbury with me today as we answer your questions on the show, just like we do every week. Just a moment to say thanks for listening and watching the Get Ready for the Future show wherever you get it. And John, we have a lot to be thankful for here in the Gen Wealth offices. Absolutely. We are very, very thankful for our clients who allow us to serve them every day that uh, that we have markets open and business open. We're, we're working, and sometimes even when business isn't open, we're working on ways to serve you better. And, and we really do not only enjoy that, but appreciate the opportunity to do that for sure. Yeah. And we are thankful for a great purpose. I think that's really it falls on me as I think about think about think about this weekend think and think kind of run right along similar paths there <laughs> when I think about being thankful I think about our purpose too to help people discover protect and share true financial independence you know we work for that for our team as well as our clients and it's a great purpose to have and I think that everything we do on this show the way we answer questions, the way we produce the fastest four minutes in finance, the way we plan everything is geared towards achieving or for others true financial independence financial independence is very closely in my mind related to freedom and and freedom i think is probably the most precious commodity in the world these days because a lot of the world doesn't have freedom a lot of the world is under oppression a lot of the world is at war and things of that nature we have freedom here in the united states and financial freedom is very closely related to financial independence and that's why that is our, our motto here at GenWealth. That is our purpose at GenWealth, to help people discover, protect, and share true financial independence. Yeah, the decisions you make financially can so impact your financial future. And that's really why we move to this question and answer format on the Get Ready for the Future show. We want to know what's on your mind on a day-to-day -day basis about your money. So we've asked you to bring the questions to us. You can call or text them to us at 501 381 5228. We will put the question on the air and answer it as best we can with the information provided. You can also send us an email. Just send it to show at getreadyforthefuture.com. And next week, maybe we'll get your question on the air. First up today on the show is Douglas from Bryant. And Douglas writes, I'm 45 and my wife is 37. We're a single income family of four on a 4.75% rate 30 year mortgage bought in 2010 should we start making additional principal payments or invest douglas thanks very much for the question uh we, he says there or invest so we have to make some assumptions that he may not be doing that now but that's the first step of this process uh it's great to have first of all the additional cash flow to even john be considering making additional principal payments on your mortgage and i do think that should be a goal that gets placed into the overall financial plan in some way to reach debt freedom uh, on the mortgage by the time you retire or earlier. Uh, but I think I think we have to look at where he is, uh, where his family is 
on his retirement journey first. Absolutely. If you're behind, Douglas, then absolutely we would tell you to not put money toward the mortgage, additional payments toward the mortgage. We would tell you to allow the time value of money to kick in and and help you on your retirement journey. Uh, Prioritize your saving for retirement because you don't get any do-overs on retirement. You can build up enough nest egg that you could maybe eliminate the mortgage maybe on into retirement a little bit. We don't necessarily like that. But if you are, are thinking about that, you need to, to really be sure that you sharpen your pen and be sure that you know where you are on that retirement journey. Now, what does that look like? I think you can make additional 401k contributions if you're not already maxing out your contributions. You can make additional contributions to your 401k plan. Or you could actually uh, do a Roth IRA if you're eligible. Now, the eligibility numbers just went up recently for mm-hmm. 2024. So you might want to check that before you actually commit to it. But I think that, that uh, Scott, those are two just no-brainers right off the bat. If you are not on track for retirement, you need to do those two things. But the first thing you need to do is check up and see where you are on that journey. Yeah, and this is what it looks like, Douglas. So I think what we're saying, first of all, is prioritize retirement over a debt-free or or over eliminating your mortgage, or at least getting on a path to do that. We've got to take a look at get a retirement snapshot in place of where you are now with what you have saved and what you're currently contributing. And through a uh, overall written retirement plan, we can take a look at some assumptions based on some uh, very modest rates of return over a long period of time to find out doing what you're doing now, how much will you end up with at a certain time in the future? And that date is picked by you, right? When clients come in and begin the uh, ready to retire process at GenWealth, we're going to have them tell us, when does retirement happen for you? When is the target goal? And if you're 45, you may not have that figured out exactly yet, uh, but that's okay. Pick a time. If it's 62, if it's 65, if it's 67, if you want to work till 70, give us a, a target to hit. We can show you where you're going to be, but it doesn't end, John, with just the the account value at the end of the ride. You have to have an income plan from there. Yeah, it is, and it's a little bit early to be actually mm-hmm. targeting an, an income plan, but you do need to, to have a general idea of how much income you want to have in retirement. So uh, prioritizing retirement savings over eliminating your mortgage is the first piece of advice if you are not already on track. Now, if you are on track, accelerating that mortgage payment is actually a good thing, assuming that you have no other consumer debt. Now, what do we mean by consumer debt? That's really any debt other than your mortgage. It's car payments, it's credit card payments, it's anything that has revolving payments on it. And what I mean by that is that you are are carrying a balance on whatever it might be. Eliminate those first and then go to your mortgage and you can really make some headway uh, once you eliminate those other payments, you can really uh, do some major acceleration. Scott, I'm working on that personally to uh, accelerate my mortgage uh, after eliminating all that uh, consumer debt that may right. be out there. You know, and another point too we can make here from Douglas's question and the and the, the from the math perspective that he gives us the interest rate of 4.75. It's a 30-year mortgage, so we know he's about halfway through with it, right? If he right. got it in 2010. And here we are in 2023, we're 13 years into that. And we know that, you know, you see, you, you, you hear that interest rate, 475, but obviously it's, it's not a linear progress, right? It, you know you're going to pay a lot more in interest in the earlier years of your mortgage than you are in your later years. So he's making more progress 
paying down the principal just with his minimum monthly payment now than he was earlier in a mortgage. Yeah, you don't need to, to be looking through the rear view mirror in this and going, man, I'm not making any progress. What you need to do is look at an amortization table and understand what progress you will be making in the future because it's not going to look and feel the same in the next 15 years as it has the last 13 years in Douglas's uh, effort to pay off that mortgage. Now, two more quick little points before we move on. The other thing I would consider asking Douglas if he were in the office is, is this your forever home? Do you plan to pay this mortgage off and stay forever? And at 45, I'm, I don't know. I don't know what that answer is, but a lot of times people are going to move again. Uh, so the plan has to include the next move, if that's the case. Um, and, and so that's one thing. And then I would encourage Douglas, too, to know that based on our experience with our clients, as you get closer to retirement, and they're a family of four, so that means they have two kids in the household, you're, you're going to see those kids move out, go through college, start lives of their own, and that's going to increase your margin, your cash flow, you're going to have more money you then, hope. you hope, <laughs> unless you create other ways to spend it. But it sounds like they're certainly laser beam focused on getting this mortgage uh, retired. So there is going to be some more disposable income, more than likely. You're also probably going to have more income when you get into your 50s, just statistically speaking, than you do at any other point in time. And John, we see our clients when they come in in the last five, six years before they retire, really make headway uh, towards paying those mortgages off. Yeah, there is a lot of progress that that can be done on that and on the investment side. Because Mm -hmm. if you think about, uh, use the rule of 72. Uh, The rule of 72 says uh, if you take the number 72 and divide it into the interest rate or the rate of return that you're earning, you'll get approximately the number of years that it takes your money to double. So if you hit it just right, uh, you could see an exponential growth in your uh, retirement assets in those later years because you've got a lot more money in your retirement accounts for it to double over, let's say, a seven-year period of time or or something along that, that uh, nature. The, the key here is to have the plan in front of you and to execute that plan based on very clear thought processes that you do about where you want to be. Mm-hmm. It's very logical. Uh, oftentimes it runs afoul of your emotions of how you might want to spend money, but it's definitely something that you definitely want to do to have that plan in front of you so you arrive at that destination when you want to. Our thanks to Douglas. Our next question on the Get Ready for the Future show this week is from Connie in Bentonville. Can you discuss the differences between UTMA and brokerage and how to decide which one to favor for prepaying future child expenses? Struggling to choose one over the other. Connie, thanks very much for your question. We're going to have to make some assumptions here, too. We, we assume brokerage is just uh, individual or joint non-retirement investment account, which is what it means to us when we hear brokerage. Uh, and UTMA, John, as you know, is a Uniform Trust to Minor Act. And what, what that basically allows a custodian or an adult to do is to put money into an account in the child's name before they are the age of majority. In Arkansas, that's 21. Uh, So when that child then has an account in their name, they actually don't have control over it while they're under 21. The adult does. They can put money in. They can invest it. They can see it grow over time. But I think the main thing you need to know about the Uniform uh, Transfer to Minors Act, John, is that the full access and control of that account becomes the child's at 21. And we've run into this uh, in our office many times. I had a I have a, a clients who are probably going to retire in the next couple of years, and they have grandchildren that they started, four of them, and they started uh, 
uh, Utma accounts for all four of them before they became clients here at Genwealth, and we just transferred them over, and they continued to put some money in, and they they had it there. And uh, as those grandkids uh, got older and they reached the age of majority of 21, we had to reach out to them to let them know they had the account. And right. the, and the grandmother wasn't really fond of having to do that, but once she decided prior to coming here that she was going to have an Utma account. That's the wheels that were in motion. Yeah, they, it is technically by law a non-revocable or an irrevocable gift to that child. Yep. So what you can't do is pull the grandmother string or the mom string <laughs> and say, hey, look, I'm going to take this back if you don't spend it for college. The right. law does not allow you to do so. You are a custodian of those funds on behalf of the child until the child reaches that age of majority. Scott, you mentioned that it's 21 in Arkansas. In other locales, it's 18. So imagine this. You've got you know several thousand, maybe even $100,000 built up in an UTMA account. And then all of a sudden, you're basically saying, okay, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old, this is yours. Go do with it what you will. And that it is 100% in the child's control. That's why I have over the years learned that that is not a great way to actually affect the outcome for college. There is no guarantee that that child will spend that money on their college education. They may see a really cool sports car that they want to buy. And under the law, they have the total right to do that with a UTMA account. Well, and they may not even be in college That's at right. age 21. That's, I think about the four grandchildren that I was discussing earlier. There have been four different, completely different life circumstances that those kids were in when they reached 21, and that has resulted in four very different outcomes for that account. Yeah, and it, it really is very, very uh, specific to the circumstances of the child and you know how well they've been taught money principles, what they've been focused on. There is some influence that obviously you can uh, exact in that situation, but there's no control that you can exact because you have made that irrevocable gift to that child. Now, on the other side of that, a brokerage account is completely the opposite. It is not owned by a, a minor unless it is an UTMA account, so you as the adult and the account owner, own it and continue to own it even after the child reaches the age of majority. So you're 100% in 100% control of those funds and you can help make decisions for the child whether you want to use the funds, leave them in there and continue to invest them or what use you would have for the funds. And, and really, and I think this is worth pointing out too, John, because we get these types of questions a lot too is, uh, we will get from a potential client coming in to meet with us. Sometimes they will say to us, you know, what what kind of rate of return can I get in my IRA? Right. right? As if an IRA is a specific investment. Right. So it's, I think it's important to point out here that whether you go the Utma route or you go the brokerage route, it the, the investment choice is really not going to be affected. No, the investment choices are essentially the same. How it's treated from a tax standpoint is uh, yeah. a little bit different because uh, it, with a UTMA account, it is taxed at the child's tax rate up to they earn $1,000 in a year, and then it's taxed at the adult's tax rate. In a brokerage account, it's adult tax rate all the way. So you're going to pay the taxes, but here's what I want you to understand. Anytime you get any kind of tax benefit on something in a government-approved account, then you're going to give up something. You're going to ha it's going to come with some restrictions or some control on it. So with the UTMA account, 
you uh, obviously have to give up the control of the money in order to gift it to the child to get uh, excluded from that first thousand dollars of taxes that could be charged on that account in any one year. Now, with the brokerage account, you pay the taxes, but guess what? You call the shots. And if that's what you want in this situation, that you want a way to save and invest money for college education or whatever you want to spend that money on for the kids, then you certainly want to look at a brokerage account. God, if you want to think about accounts that that would be specific to college, then I would say look at a 529 plan or a Coverdale Education Savings Account. Both of those are tax-free if used for college or post-secondary school, but they are taxable if you use them for anything else. Therein comes that caveat from the government that says, we want to control your behavior on this. We want you to spend it on college. We don't want you to spend it on a new car. Yeah, and I think it's important, you know, Connie did mention future child expenses. She didn't really specify what type of expenses, but if college is the goal there, or really even as they did change the law when it comes to the 529 plan, uh, a few years ago that you could actually use it for secondary education, private school tuition. Yes. So even prior to the child going to college, you could use it for private school tuition as well. Go ahead. I was just going to weigh in on this. Well, you obviously don't know an awful lot about Connie. She's in Bentonville and, and just wrote in this question. But I have seen many times parents forego saving for their own retirement so they could save money for their college education for their kids. Let me just give you a little bit of an insight on this. There are things like student loans, which I don't like debt, but student loans can be paid off at the end of of school. And you don't uh, really accrue uh, an awful lot of interest on a student loan if you do that. There's also work. uh, That's obviously uh, uh, almost a a past uh, thought process these days of kids working while they go to college, but it does happen and it does allow them to earn their way through college. There's a lot of ways to pay for college education, including scholarships. There is no scholarship. There is no grant. There is no loan for retirement. So the key here is to take care of your own retirement first and then worry about college education for the kids. I know that sounds very pro me and anti my kids, but that is how that really should be addressed. Yeah. And and I don't think it is selfish at all, because when you think about if you don't take care of your own retirement first, who's going to be taking care of you in retirement? Well, it's going to be your kids, right? More than likely. So it's a burden on them if you don't take care of your own retirement first. And as John has already alluded to, there are many avenues uh, to deal with paying for college. On the 529 side, one thing it is worth pointing out that I don't think we did yet was there is a, a tax deduction available for that. Uh, so, in for instance, for Arkansas uh, residents, if you invest in the Arkansas 529, there is a state income tax deduction that goes along with that. So you can actually help yourself out on taxes by going into the 529. But again, know that those restrictions uh, for it to be withdrawn tax-free It has to be used for qualified education expenses. And that list is rather long. It's not just tuition. So there are things on there that we could help you look at, uh, or you could probably read yourself and know that you could could utilize it. There is some flexibility there. Uh, And then one topic, one final point on this, I think, to make as well is the investment side of this. Because if you're going through the 529, you won't have a lot of specific choice, but you'll be able to Uh, choose whether you want to invest it conservatively, moderately, or aggressively. And I think when you do that, uh, when you go into that, you need to have an idea of 
uh, when that's going to be coming out. So yep. if it's college and you have and you're starting this for your child that's you know four or five years old, you probably want to be aggressive in that because you have a lot of time for the, those assets to grow. If in my case, and I'll be transparent, I have a five two nine for my children, and they're in college. Yeah. So I'm not investing that money. It's in an interest bearing account because it's going in, and a few months later, it's coming out. Yeah. It it does uh, happen that way, and I think Scott, if you think about the 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 complexity of all of this, the good news is at Gen Wealth, we've got access to the Arkansas five two nine. We've yep. got access to UTMA accounts. We've got access to brokerage accounts. We can help you walk through that whole maze of things. You don't have to sit down and rewind the show to kind of uh, take notes on this. We can certainly help you by uh, sitting down and talking about it in detail. We like that question, Connie. And in fact, we're naming it our question of the week. Thank you for reaching out with it. Uh, we'll love to, we'd love to send you a free Get Ready for the Future show Tumblr as I attractively model here on the desk. Doesn't that look nice? <laughs> yes, if you're watching on the video side, you'll see the Get Ready for the Future show Tumblr. What we need Connie to do, though, we need you to email us to claim it. Just send the email to show at getreadyforthefuture.com. And if you'd like one of these nice tumblers, all you have to do is send in a question. And if we use it on the air, name it. Our question of the week, we'll send it to you. So how do you get those questions to us? Just call or text them to 501-381-5228. That's 501-381-5228. Or send us an email. Just send it to show at getreadyforthefuture.com. A couple more questions on this week's show. Next, it's Marcus from Hot Springs. I have a Roth 401k and HSA. I believe my tax bracket now is much lower than my tax bracket will be when I'm retired. Is it better to max out my HSA or the Roth 401k first? Interesting question for Marcus. Not often that we would see somebody have a tax bracket that's lower now than it will be in retirement. Right. A little bit of a switch from there. But regardless, John, I think the idea here goes back to kind of the answer of the first question. You want to deal with retirement first, not a mortgage and not an HSA. We love HSAs, but the pecking order here has to be retirement first. Yeah. A Roth 401k is going to play a much greater role in your retirement than an HSA will. Of course, you can use an HSA to roll it over. And if you don't use those funds uh, during your working years, you can roll it over to use for your retirement. But that Roth 401k is going to be uh, a real useful tool. First of all, the Roth 401k is going to produce, write this down, tax-free income. You want tax-free income. Here's why. Tax-free income allows you to spend every dollar that comes out of that 401k plan. If you have to pay taxes on it, then some percentage of those dollars, uh, if you use a traditional 401k, some percentage of those dollars is going to go to pay Uncle Sam. But you don't pay any taxes on the withdrawal from a Roth 401k. That's a really, really good deal just simply on the tax math. But then when you start looking at the effect of tax-free income from a Roth contribution and how that plays into your overall retirement income taxability, if you will, Social Security is taxed based on how much other income you have other than a Roth IRA. Roth IRA doesn't count in that equation. So you could actually save money on the taxes on your Social Security by contributing to that Roth IRA or Roth 401k plan in this case. Now, what you want in retirement always is a healthy stream of tax-free income. Scott, most HSAs are not going to grow to the size that it's going to have a significant 
impact on the income structure of someone in retirement, but it could have some effect on deferring health care costs. Yeah, the the health care or the health savings account does allow you to also put in dollars and remove them tax free. Now, typically they are contributed on a pre-tax basis. So you get that advantage uh, of taking them out for health care. Again, back to like the education discussion, it has to be qualified health care expenses. And it's a good pot of money or a bucket of money to have on the sidelines in case those medical expenses rise. And we know that in case is probably pretty much a certainty, if you live long enough, you're going to have out-of-pocket health care costs in retirement. That's one of the largest expenses you have. But on a monthly basis, on a monthly income basis, that Roth 401k is going to be what generates that. And I think it's important also to point out, because Marcus does ask here whether to max out one or the other. I like the idea of maxing out your Roth 401k, but you do need to make sure that the employer matches the Roth 401k dollars because oftentimes they match the pre-tax contributions, but they don't always match the Roth 401k contribution. Well, and if they do match the Roth 401k contribution, they have to make that contribution on a pre-tax basis. So you could mix uh, the two in there and, and you have to hold those out separately. And when you do a rollover, uh, from a Roth 401k plan, the employer contributions would roll to a traditional IRA right. and a, 40, a Roth 401k would roll to a Roth IRA. So you got to keep the taxes straight on that. Yep. But almost always your employer contribution is going to be done on a before tax basis. So you will owe taxes on that money when you withdraw it for retirement. It'll be great, Marcus, if you can get both, max out both, but I'd go the Roth 401k first, make sure you're on track for retirement, and then start to build money up in the HSA. All right, it's time for our final question on the Get Ready for the Future show today. And we don't have a name on this one, came in via text. It is anonymous, though. I have a friend who owns a pawn shop. He claims the economy isn't as good as people think, based on clients unable to pay their loans back. Any validity? Thank you. Well, we love to talk about the economy, but again, I think we have to start this discussion, John, by put, posing the difference between the economy and your economy. And certainly, if we're if we're talking about people going to a pawn shop, probably there's some stress on their economy. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. And let me just say, as a blanket statement, you can hear anything <laughs> from anybody right. anywhere. So not to to besmirch the the uh, credibility of the pawn shop owner or anything of that nature, yep. but but he is viewing the world through his lens, right? And that's what he sees, and so that's how he feels. Now, is there some validity if people are struggling to pay back their loans at a pawn shop? Yes, there there could be some some friction in the economy that is affecting that sector of people that would would frequent a pawn shop. But let's talk a little bit about what's happening for real in the economy, Scott. Uh, we have been hearing probably now on to almost two years that a recession is just right around the corner. And we've been looking for that joker ever <laughs> since they started talking about it. And we haven't found it yet. It's the boogeyman under the bed. Isn't it, it is. It's like, there he is. There it is. There it is. No, nope, it hasn't come. And in fact, most recently, we had inflation data come out for October that suggest a real cooling off of prices. Now, I know the cumulative effect of inflation is real, and that probably lends it back to this question, because certainly if people are having a hard time paying their bills because of the two-plus-year effect of prices going up and soaring, and they've had to go to a pawn shop, and they haven't been able to pay that loan back, that's got to probably have something to do with it. But 
in essence, it would also be mean that their incomes did not grow at the pace of inflation. And and across the board in this country, that hasn't happened, but there has been some real wage growth. There there has been, and there's a lot more to it than just uh, you know wage growth or anything of that nature. If you take a look at at first of all, let's talk about. Uh, what a real recession actually is. It is a pullback in the gross domestic product of the United States. And ostensibly, that's for two consecutive quarters, although we've had that, and it really didn't develop into an actual recession. But what you what you see currently, Scott, is if you look at the stock market, and I love it that, that people, you know, believe what they hear. I had a client come in the other day, and he said, okay, I uh, just want to come in and kind of see how bad it was. I know it's bad. Uh, so uh, how bad is it? And we looked and his accounts were up 6%. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I have no idea what the root of that was other than what he's heard on television from right. the talking heads. Right. But here's the key. The market is doing well. The economy is doing well. If you gauge that by the earnings of companies, most companies Three quarters of the companies, maybe all close to 80% of the companies that were reporting earnings in the last reporting session were actually reporting earnings above expectations, yep. above expectations, not meeting expectations, but above expectations. And so I think oftentimes the economy is pretty much whatever people are living and that right. makes it real to them. Yep. But I think you have to also look at the broader economic scope of things. And I just do not see still any type of recession over into 24. I don't believe unless there is some out of the woods, out of the blue event that happens that we're really going to have that. Now, people may feel like, okay, there's going to be an out of event, out of the woods event happen because everything's really tumultuous these days. Tell me when it hasn't been tumultuous. Scott, I remember when I first started in the investment business, I had a little small, almost a closet office. But one of the things that was in my office above my desk was this poster from an investment company that had a mountain chart of the S&P 500. And it said across the top, there are always reasons not to invest. And it had some world event that was going on every freaking year of that mountain chart (laughs) that told you all the reasons not to invest, but yet the S&P 500 had continued to climb Mm -hmm. all that time. So oftentimes it's not what people are necessarily saying about the economy that is the real story. What they're saying is being filtered through their experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I have uh, no idea. I have no experience with pawn shop, so I can't tell you what the interest rates on these loans are. But if the interest rates are up across the board. I'm betting that's not a good thing to get into yep. uh, in any way, shape, or form. So the struggle is if you haven't been able to increase your income, uh, your you, you know your income has been flat over these last couple of years, and inflation, cost of living has certainly gone up, and you have to have a way to meet that by either increasing your employment income or in retirement, increasing your retirement income. And you, w- I wouldn't want to be borrowing money right now because the cost of borrowing money has shot up. We've seen all of that data. I can't quote it specifically here in front of me, but the same priced house cost now versus what it cost uh, just two years ago because of the rise in interest rates. So if you've gotten yourself into a bind, and I think that's what we're really trying to say here in your personal economy, it's going to feel like the economic situation broadly is bad, but that's just not the case. Well, and I think that the other thing that you've got to do is you've got to guard your mind a little bit in this and understand who it is that you're listening to and who you should be listening to. 
there are people in our country these days that really make a living off of scaring the death out of people. Mm-hmm. They, they do. Uh, there is one particular person out there that writes a newsletter, an investment, so-called investment newsletter. He's been more wrong more times than, than I don't know. I've missed on, on uh, you know, picking scores on, on a Razorback game. Razorback game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Anything like that. Uh, and, and, but yet people still buy his newsletter. People still quote him. People still listen to him. I think you have to ask, what is their track record? What do they really know? And more importantly, what is their agenda for wanting you to believe what they are saying? I think that I'll just leave it at that, Scott. But mm-hmm. I think that's really uh, something that, you know, when you give everyone a, a stage and a microphone, which is what we've done with social media right. and, and and the, pro, uh, you know, the proliferation of communication then you have to really begin to filter out who it is you're listening to and what their intentions are. Yeah, and it goes back to uh, the Fastest Four segment that we did a couple of weekend, a weeks ago about the broken clock. The broken clock is right uh, twice a day. Uh, my, hey. my good friend Paul Eels always picked the Razorbacks to win the game, and he was right occasionally. <laughs> back then, yes. more so than today, yes, right? Very, very much so. All right. But time for our final thoughts. You heard the bell in the background. John, will start with you. Scott, I think that that the focus that you have to have these days is not necessarily on what's going on in the economy or which account to use or whatever the case may be. I think your focus has got to be on financial independence. Financial independence is the key to your your well-being. It is the key to you having choices in your life. It is the key to almost everything from a financial standpoint. So, I would really uh, ask our our listeners today to uh, actually uh, take a step toward financial independence. One small step. You can text the word STEPS, S-T-E-P-S, to 501-381-5228. That's 501-381-5228. And get a copy of Securing Financial Independence, Seven Steps to Building a Sustainable Life After Work. It is a great starting point in your journey toward financial independence. John, my final thought is if you go back and look at the questions that we got today, a couple of them especially dealing with should I do this or should I do that, financial decisions. You're at a a, a turning point in which way do you want to go to build for your future. And really the ultimate answer to that is you can't answer that without building a written financial plan. You can't know where you're going without a roadmap laid for you to get there. It's true in travel and it is true in your finances. So I would encourage you to get that plan started by going through the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process. You can start the journey by calling toll-free 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. And that's all the time we have for this week's Get Ready for the Future show. Thanks to Douglas, thanks to Connie, Marcus, and our anonymous text. If you want to ask us a a question, Get them in by calling 501-381-5228. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. 
And if you want to help us get the word out on building towards financial independence, leave us a rating and review. The GenWealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Alliance and GenWealth Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial.